Welcome everyone to the Man Podcast, where we recognize that men are necessary, but not just any man, foundational men are necessary in our lives. I am Mike Brown, your certified health and wellness coach and lifestyle strategist, and I want to thank you for being a part of the conversation. Join me as we build foundational men through knowledge, wisdom, and insight. And with that being said, let's jump into this episode. To all you freshwater warriors, all you foundational men, all you foundational women out there, and to all the listeners in the middle, we have officially begun the process of building foundational men. And even if you are a foundational man, this information remains a critical resource for you. You can always learn more and you can always apply new things in your lives. And if you are wanting to break through barriers, that continue to hinder you, this information will bring you hope because this information will lead you down your path. It will lead you down your path and give you a sense of purpose. And that sense of purpose will help you break through your barriers. And if you are a foundational woman, the information will enhance your life. And if you're a woman seeking clarity, well, then this is the key to help you find the man that you so desire. You see, I know I speak to the men and the focus is on the men, but this podcast is for everyone. I repeat, this podcast is for everyone. So when I speak, I am speaking to the men, but the content is for all ears. So since we've been having this talk about foundational men, What does a foundational man look like? And how can I identify if a man is truly a foundational man? You can find these qualities of a foundational man in Galatians 5.22. And it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, later on, we'll add on vision and empathy to tie it all together. Now, I was going to wait. (laughs) I was going to wait and have some grand reveal exposing the big picture of where we're going with this and what this all means. But I did not want to keep you guys waiting for that long. You know what I mean? I want you guys to see a little bit of the big picture so you have an idea of where this train is going. All right, you might not know exactly all the steps that it takes to get to our destination, but I want you to have an idea of the the end result, the end game. So when you look at these qualities, you got to think to yourself, who wouldn't want a man with these qualities in their life? Who wouldn't want a man like this as their friend, their husband, a co-worker, you name it? Who wouldn't want this type of man in their life? So what I need you to understand is that man alone cannot possess these qualities. That's the big picture. Man alone cannot possess these qualities. Why is that? Because these qualities come from God. And that's the big picture. Now you might think into yourself, Mike, 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 that doesn't make sense because I'm kind. I show kindness most of the time. Well, I show it enough. Well, I show it more than my nosy instigating neighbor. You see where I'm going with that? The kindness that we show It's temporary. It's sometimes it's not consistent when we do it on our own. But when we have that that spirit of God with us, the Holy Spirit with us, when we are dwelling with him and we gain a closer relationship with him, then we're able to be kind on a consistent basis because we're not relying on our own strength and on our own uh, power and will. 
So let, I want you to take a moment. I'm going to give you an example of what kindness looks like when you do it on your own. Take a moment to think about this scenario, which I think that we've all been in, especially in the last few years. But we touched this, we touched on this a little bit with love in the last episode. But here's what kindness looks like. At work, how many of you have been in meetings where the goal was to be more kind at work and be more tolerant at work and show kindness and all that you do and be patient, you know? And so while you're listening to this message, people are fulfilled and they feel uplifted and they feel like they have a plan on being kind and they say they're going to execute this right away. They're not going to wait. They're going to be kind. They're going to be patient. They're going to be kind to even those that they don't get along with. That's how people are feeling during this meeting. Everyone's buzzing and feeling good about themselves. But I'm going to ask you, and I want you to be honest, how long did it take before the backstabbing happened, the gossiping, the rude interactions, and all the cattiness flared up again? How long did that take? I mean, if we want to be really honest, it was probably right when that meeting got over. <laughs> The cattiness began and the gossiping began. For some of us, we were in, a, in an environment that took a little bit longer. Maybe it lasted a week or two. But eventually, that kindness faded and it was back to square one. Why? Because man cannot possess these qualities on his own. That is the big picture that we're drawing here. It is through having an intimate relationship with God that he gives you the power to consistently be kind, even when you feel like being nasty. And trust me, we will continue to break this down so it all makes sense. But that's why I want to go through all of these qualities one by one so you have an idea on what they truly mean and what it truly looks like. What's truly happening here? So now that we had the big reveal I want to briefly recap about love, but there's one thing I want to touch on before we jump into that. And I want to talk about that word tolerate. If you want to stir up something within me, say to me that you tolerate people. You see, that, that bothers me. That bothers me. I just don't feel like you tolerate people. I, when I think about tolerance, I think about you're at a picnic and you're tolerating the mosquitoes and you're tolerating the flies, trying to land on the food. Because what happens when you run out of tolerance or your tolerance runs thin? What happens after that? Well, I'll tell you what happens. We end up crushing the bug with no remorse. No remorse. Why? Because they shouldn't have tested our patience. They, I tolerated their nuisances long enough and it needs to be over with. You don't feel bad about killing off those flies or anything like that. They, they deserved it. And so that's how I look at it when people say they tolerate people. I just don't look at it as you tolerate people. Either you're gonna accept them for who they are or you're not. Either you're going to guide them or you're not. That's the bottom line. I don't think it's in our right to to crush other people just because we can't tolerate something about them. And maybe I'm being extreme on it, but that's the way I think about it. And that's why my blood boils when someone uses an example or ex explains to me that they tolerate someone. I don't get down with that. But meanwhile, about love, okay, about love. So we talked about love. Now we're going to discuss joy. Okay. We're going to discuss joy and we're going to dissect joy and we're going to talk about how you can have constant joy 
in your life. But let's backtrack so we can remember where we came from with love and what did we learn about love in the last episode? We learned that love does not hurt and it is an action. And as my good friend said, it's a command. We learned that love never fails and it conquers all. And this is why love has to be the foundation of a foundational man. It is the most precious and strongest quality that we have available. So it must be the foundation of a foundational man, right? We talked about that. When you're building a home, don't you want to use the best, sturdiest material? Because you know that your home is going to have to go through some things. It's going to have to face some adversity and you don't have time and nor do you want to rebuild every time a little bit of pressure comes against your home. And it's the same process as of building a foundational man. We ain't got time to rebuild every time we are faced with adversity. And that's what a lot of men are doing right now. They're rebuilding every time they feel a little bit of pressure and they wear themselves down. That's time consuming. So I am putting a starting point out there on how to begin to build a strong foundation. So now when you're faced with adversity, all this stuff is just gonna be bouncing off of you until something big happens and it rattles you a little bit, but you're still gonna be rock solid in who you are and where you're going. That's the purpose of this. We learned that a man with all the gifts has nothing if he does not have love. Love comes from God because God is love. And once you draw close to God, you will feel his love and you'll be able to have an understanding of how we ought to love. We understand that the world says that love is a funny feeling that you have when you're around someone, that it's expensive jewelry or cute cutouts of hearts and all these nice little sayings. But that is a falsehood that has deceived millions. And I'm going to give you a prime example of how love is not a feeling. It's a command. If you looked at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, after hearing that and reading that, I don't know about you, but when I think about loving my enemies or those who have persecuted me, I don't get that warm and fuzzy feeling. I don't get that fuzzy feeling that equates with love. Love is a command. It, it's not reserved for only those that you like and only family members or those that you're close to. We are commanded to love everyone including your enemies. This is why love is the foundation for the foundational man. I'm gonna keep driving that home. It's a big one. If they say that love conquers all, then whew, it has to be the foundation. It's the strongest. So on to joy. How, man, joy... I had fun breaking this down and I had fun studying this one because I learned a lot of new things myself. You know, we have this idea of what joy is and what it looks like and who deserves to have joy and who doesn't. But there are some interesting things about joy and how it operates. What does the scripture say about joy? John 16, 20, 21. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the, while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she get, forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. We're going to read some more scriptures, but I want to stop right here. Now, I don't know how many men have been able to experience childbirth. I'm not saying physically, but experience being there, <laughs> okay? 
whenever I work in the shelter or whenever I'm around someone and, and there's a new father speaking to me, I always encourage him. I almost command him, you must do whatever it takes to be there. You must do whatever it takes to be there. I don't care if you're about to play in the Super Bowl. You will have an opportunity to play in another Super Bowl. You may or may not, but who cares? You don't get any do-overs. You don't get any redos. You can't hit the reset button on childbirth. And it's an awesome experience. And that scripture really drives home because I can't even imagine the pain that women go through when they're giving birth. I can't even imagine. I don't even want to imagine. But I've seen it. And it is, you feel so bad because you want to take some of that pain. At the, you know, there's a moment when I'm thinking, man, I want to take some of this pain. She's hurting so bad. I want to take some of this pain away from her. And then I realize, like, I don't know what I'm asking about. I don't know if I can handle that, though. So hopefully she can just deal with this and then we can get on with this, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it looks painful. It sounds painful, but it is instant when the child is born. The mother immediately cries tears of joy. And what's the first thing she says? I want to see my baby. I want to hold my baby. Now, this is another reason why I encourage fathers to be there because this whole situation is unfair. It really is. I thought about this and it's pretty unfair, but it's one of the cool things that we have uh, to hold as a father. So you have the mother who cares and nurtures and carries the baby for nine months. Her body is being deformed and transformed, but it's for the sake of the baby. Then the mother experiences all of this, th these birth pains and goes through all this emotional turmoil. And then she gives birth to the child and guess who's the first one to see the child? Not mom, but dad. Now, I think that's a beautiful thing. Totally unfair. However, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing in, in, in seeing your child being born and being the first one uh, to see them and one of the first ones to hold them and touch them uh, is it's, it's something that you cannot take back and it's something that you can't replace. Now, that is an example of how joy can enter in our lives even during the most excruciating pains that you may be feeling. James chapter one, verses two and three says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And John 15, 11 says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And finally, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, a little side note, Paul wrote that in prison. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we'll touch on that here a little, a little later. So what is joy? Joy expresses exceeding gladness or rejoicing. It can apply to a disposition, disposition of person's inherent qualities or of mind and character. So it can apply to a disposition of the heart. The world, I'm sorry, the word is also used for the senseless happiness of the enemies of God's people. Hmm, whoever thought about joy in that capacity? 
I know I didn't. But immediately when I read that, I thought about how the Philistines were so joyful when they captured Samson. They had a, they had a celebration that was so enormous, 3,000 plus people celebrating, rejoicing over capturing Samson, who was a nuisance, a thorn in their side, who was there to um, regain God's people. And he was just terrorizing their territory. And during this celebration, they were so happy and elated. And they were poking fun at Samson. They had already taken his eyes out from him. And they brought him in and they were all just poking fun at him. And this was a prime example of how joy is not just reserved for the people that are with good intentions. It's also reserved for the ill will people <laughs> you know you know I, I'll tell you I did I never it's something that you know exists but you really don't think of that as joy when you're on the opposite end you think of that as um you know just buffoonery or or, or they're being foolish or they're just being mean you know I it it takes a minute to think about they're actually joy they're expressing joy Anyway, I've digressed, but we talked about that in great detail with Samson. And if you want to know more about the story of Samson, go back to the podcast title, The Lone Wolf Mentality, Betrayal and Redemption. And that outlines the full story of Samson. And his story is so awesome and, and brilliant because there's so many gems that men can take from his story and apply it to their lives. But I'm going to say something, and I, I want you guys to bear with me, but I don't know about you guys, but have you ever felt like joy can be annoying? And as difficult as it is for me to admit this, I have felt annoyed by other people's joy. And I hate saying that, and it sounds terrible. It sounds like I'm just out there hating on everybody, and I, I'm a Scrooge or, or a Grinch, and I'm, 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 ex, I'm just upset when people are happy. And that's not what I'm saying, but uh, let, me, let me give you a little story to hopefully uh, bring this together so it'll clear up, so it doesn't sound as bad as what it sounds like. But I remember working in the youth shelter with my uh, good friend, Darren, we were on shift together and the kids were so rambunctious and excited because we had brought in some pizza and some snacks and brought in some movies. Darren had a hookup at that time with a guy at the barbershop who had some bootleg DVDs and, and things of that nature. We pulled out the weights so they could lift weights and get pump some iron and feel good about where they're at. And then we also even let them wrestle a little bit under our discretion and they could just be free to have fun and to uh, feel like they weren't living in a shelter. And everything was going well until I ran out of energy and I got tired. Because think about it, this was eight hours of it. And finally I got tired and I was ready to shut it down. And if those who know me, you know that once I get tired, everybody should be tired and the party should stop, <laughs> you know? I don't know why. I, I've just always been like that. It's kind of a bad thing. However, but that's just how I am. So I was at this time where I was thinking, party should stop. I'm tired. Everybody needs to calm down. I'm cool on that. Well, as I became a little grumpy, Darren took notice. And he came to me and he said, hey, man, what's wrong? And I said, D, I'm tired. And I'm ready for this to end. I'm ready to put these kids to bed, man. They've had enough fun. We're good. And he said, nah, nah, nah. Don't be like that, Mike Brown. Now, when Darren says your government name, you need to be quiet and listen because he's about to drop a gem to you. So I knew I had to listen. He said to me, these kids are locked up in this facility. And we have given them eight hours to feel like they are at home. They don't get to leave, but we do. And when we leave, they will go back to realizing that they are in this shelter. So while we're here for this shift, be happy for them and be happy with them. 
He said, look around. We don't have any drama. We haven't had one fight, one argument or anything. We have rival gang members hanging out and getting along and working together. Our night is easy tonight. So be happy for them and with them. And you know me, I have to always say a little something, give a little pushback. And I, I said to Darren, I said, hey, I am happy. I'm just tired. And he said to me, I know you're tired and I know you're happy, but don't get tired and bring down the joy and the happiness that everyone is feeling just because you're tired. Now, what he was saying to me <laughs> in a nice way was, don't be a selfish punk and bring down everybody just because you're tired. No, this is a joyous occasion for everyone. And this is a time where they can feel halfway normal. You need to sacrifice and suck it up and get with the program because they have to do 24 hours every day in here. We get to leave. And uh, from there, I understood my selfish perspective. So it was an example of how I was annoyed with joy. And I look back and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm man, that could have got really bad if I didn't have a, a foundational man or a faithful friend in my life to give me a reality check. What about this? Have you ever been around the person who is always joyful? No matter what they're going through, they're always smiling and they're always happy and rejoicing and they're always looking at the bright side of things. And you, you see them like this so much that you're starting to think maybe they're crazy or you're asking questions about what are you using? What do you want? Because I need some of that. You know, this made me think about my grandma. I was at her house one day and my grandma and my dad was there and out of nowhere, my grandma started speaking as if she was praying, which wasn't really unusual because anybody who knew her, you knew that she stayed in prayer. She was the type of woman that you could go grocery shopping with and she would start praying over the grapes. And as a kid, you're looking at her and you're looking around to see who's looking and you feel kind of embarrassed, but you have to make a decision. Do you watch and see who's looking or do you just bow your head and pray with her? And nine times out of 10, we ended up bowing our head and praying with her. And then we moved on and the grapes were blessed. <laughs> you know, this is the type of woman she was. So on this day, my grandma began to speak. And she started talking about all the things that she was going through. And with a smile on her face and tears of gratitude, she said something like this. I've had three bypass surgeries, two strokes, had multiple surgeries on various parts of my bodies, and my health is going bad. Ain't God good? <laughs> now, I looked at her and I was like, well, yeah, he is. But, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, Grandma, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, uh, man. That's amazing that you're you're grateful and you're looking at it that way. And my my dad fell out laughing. He was cracking up. And this is something that we still laugh about to this day. But what my grandma was giving me was a firsthand look at pure joy. And most of us in that position would think, why me? Why has God allowed me to go through this? And all of these different thoughts that were negative. But my grandma was joyful because she knew that God had prevailed and God was with her while she was going through all of those different things. When you're faced with adversity and you feel like you don't have the strength to make it through, what do we usually say to ourselves? Maybe even outwardly, why me? We become sad and depressed, angry and hostile in our trials and we complain about how bad our lives are and then we compare our lives to others. Even worse, we begin to play judge and executioner. Uh-oh. We do that by saying, who deserves to be in this unfavorable position besides me? Tell me you haven't done that. Tell me you haven't said, you know what? I don't know why I'm going through this. So-and-so is out there selling drugs, and I don't even do anything close to that, and they seem to be fine. They don't have to go through anything. 
we tend to have a negative outlook when our faith is tested. It's like we know the reality is that life is tough and unfair, yet we try to live in this fairy tale that we should never have to go through the fire. And that's the mentality that people are having in marriage, that they never have to go through the fire. And once that fairy tale ends and they have to start dipping their feet in the fire, now you have to make a decision. Am I going to ride this out or am I going to leave and chase another fairy tale? And when it's all said and done and divorce happens or the split happens, They look back and they wonder why it didn't last. It's because you couldn't handle the reality that you're going to have to face adversity. We think that since we love each other and since we're in this, in this together, that everything should be honky-dory all the time. Now, I know those of you who are married, you guys know what I'm talking about. And maybe you don't. Maybe your marriage is on a whole nother level and you don't have to face adversity. And if this is the case, then you need to share your knowledge with all of us. But in all seriousness, we look at adversity as something that is not supposed to happen because we're a good person. We look at adversity as if it's a bad thing. We look at adversity as woe is me instead of bring it on. When adversity comes, we want to go tuck our tails in a corner instead of saying, you know, I was wondering when you were coming because I wanted an opportunity to see what I'm truly made of. I want, I've been waiting for this moment so I could show you exactly what I'm made of. I haven't been tested in a long time and now it's time to see if all of my hard work, all of my dedication, all of my reading the Bible, all of my prayer, all of me increasing my faith by increasing my relationship with God, if all of this has changed me, if it has prepared me for any adversity that comes my way. This is the attitude that we need to be filled with. We should be happy that we were chosen to handle this adversity. We should be joyful when adversity become when adversity comes our way because we know that we will be the victor. And when you know that you're on the side of victory, whew, it might be a challenge, but you know what? You know you're gonna make it through. You've already won. There's no need to sit there and say, woe is me. You should be thankful that, man, I was chosen. It's like this. Even the tree that produces good fruit, that's grounded in good soil, is going to have to face winter's frost. The same as the tree that's rooted in bad soil and producing rotten, nasty fruit. They're going to have to face that same adversity. There's no getting away from it. Just because the tree is producing good fruit doesn't mean it's going to be without any adverse conditions. Doesn't mean like everything is going to be all right and it's going to be suitable conditions, tropical conditions for you all the time and you never have to go through anything. No, that tree will have to go through. Here's the kicker. That, key, that tree will face adversity and it will beat it and it will continue to produce good fruit while the tree that's producing bad fruit will never have a chance to produce good fruit. It's just not going to work. So it doesn't matter if it's in good, in good conditions, as in weather-wise. It doesn't matter if they're facing winter, winter's frost. They're in that same position, and they're not producing good fruit. Why? Because their foundation is built in bad soil. 
So we need to be joyful that we're planted in good soil. So since we are planted in good soil, that good foundation, that strong foundation, that foundation built on love, that foundation built on gaining and, and developing an intimate relationship with God, since we are in, in that good soil, we're going to make it through. And guess what? When we make it through, we're still going to produce good fruit that is going to be able to touch other people. And guess what? They're going to be able to produce good fruit. Why? Because you're showing them the way. You must understand that when you are tested, it is not meant to destroy you. It is meant to refine and strengthen you. The most, value, the most valuable materials on earth, diamonds and gold, must go through great adversity. The refining process is grueling, but it results in some of the finest gems on earth. And in life, you will be tested. Even when you're walking with God, you will be tested. There's no question about it. However, the difference is that God is with you. And since he is all-knowing and you're his child, he will not let you fall if you put your trust and faith in him. So when you know that God is on your team, it should, be great. It should bring you great joy because everything's going to be all right. You just have to be faithful. You just have to be faithful. So let's get back to Paul. We talked about Paul briefly, how he was writing letters in prison. <laughs> I tell you, it's crazy. So we, Paul was stoned and imprisoned and cursed and lied on, and you name it, Paul went through it. And in Acts 16, verses 25 through 28, that demonstrates Paul's attitude while in prison, his joyous attitude while in prison, to be specific. But it also shows the impact of how joy can lead to a change in one's, in, uh, one's life. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, can you imagine what the other prisoners were thinking? These two guys just got thrown in the prison, beaten up, and they're singing and rejoicing and singing hymns to God. Usually they're used to hearing the, the cries and the screams and the pleading and the bargaining and begging. So this had to be odd. This had to be odd to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do not harm yourself. We are all here. Again, Paul's attitude, he was thrown into prison and while he was in prison, he was joyful. Joyful. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have had time taken away from you, but I know that there are some listeners out here that have had time taken away from them. It is not a, a, a beautiful thing. I, I can only imagine the, the, the men and women who are locked up in prison for 20, 30, even 10, five years. I can't even imagine that. But having your, your time taken away from you is a big test in faith. I don't know how many, you know, they have court TV now. I don't know how many court cases that I've seen judges handing out these lifelong sentences and people are rejoicing. It's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult mentality to have. But once again, it goes back to the beginning. We cannot have this mentality on our own. On our own, we will fall short every time. This is the time where, you know, Paul being in prison, this is the time where we'd be making deals with God. If you get me out of prison, I promise I'll serve you and never look back. And, you know, if you do such and such, I promise I won't do this ever again. Paul didn't do that at all. 
He prayed and sang hymns to God. He didn't bargain with them. He didn't do any of that. He just rejoiced in his situation. But I'm going to tell you, this story doesn't stop there. It gets better. Now, how could this story get better? Well, during the earthquake, it had struck fear in the hearts of all of those who witnessed the encounter. And the the jailer, who was about to kill himself, experienced disbelief, fear, anger. And lastly, he had a transformed heart because Paul joyfully faced his adversity and demonstrated great faith in God. And Paul's attitude towards the most adverse situation led to this man's life being saved. And people were watching. People were watching. All the prisoners saw that. Just like when you were out in the world, everyone's watching. You have some people plotting against you. You have some people waiting to be joyful when they see you taken down. When they see you going through your trials and tribulations, they can't wait to point the finger and laugh. But when they see you being joyful, when they see you being uplifting while you're going through it, and they know it, they are going to have no choice but to ask, what are you on? What are you doing in your life? I want some of that. And that's usually what's happening. I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult to think of it like this. But I've been coaching for so long and I've seen it happen, even in my own life. I've seen it happen so much and I used to get so mad. I I have this mentality that either you're with me or you're against me. And if you're against me, man, you better watch out because I'm coming. You better not get in my way because I'm drawing my sword and I'm not going to be thinking twice about where I swing and point that sword. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's, That's the attitude I have. At times, you know, and, and, and it's dangerous because once again, people are watching. And that's how a lot of us men get. But think about this. The people who are plotting against you, you can't take it personal. Here's why. The problem is when they see you making a change in your life, when they see that you're straying from doing the things that you used to do, even if, and sometimes it might have involved them. When they see you making that change, they have to look in the mirror. And one of the most difficult things for us to do on this earth is to take a real look in that mirror. So what you're doing when you decide to make a transformation in your life and to bring joy, to bring love, to bring peace into your life, they don't like that because now they are forced to look in the mirror. And so since you are forcing them to look in the mirror, they have no other choice in their minds to try to destroy you. Why? Because then once they destroy you and you're back to square one, then they don't have to look in the mirror. So it's not totally about you personally. It's about themselves not wanting to take that look in the mirror. And I know that's hard to swallow. But It is the truth. In the end, the prisoner was saved. And it also says that his family was saved as well. And guess who it started with? The man of the house. This is why foundational men are so important. And this is why the focus is on the men, because wherever the man goes, his household would go. Wherever the man goes, his community, his community is going to go. The joy from this world is temporary, but joy from being in the presence of God is everlasting. So now that you know this, think about this. Why do you think that there are so many people walking around with joyless spirits? Every time they say something, they're blaming someone, they're complaining about something, and they're totally negative about their life or someone else. I see it all the time. You see it all the time. You hear people saying, hey, you know what? I remodeled my kitchen and it's perfect. I love it. I'm so happy. 
man, I'm so filled with joy. My kitchen looks awesome. It should be in a magazine. It should be on TV. And six months later, while they're sitting in their perfect kitchen, they notice that the joy has left them and it has faded and they complain about the kitchen and they're back to where they started. So either they redo the project or they're on to another project because that joy has faded. Again, when you're in the presence of God, his joy is everlasting no matter the circumstance. So I want to touch on again why you should be joyful even in crisis. Matthew 5, 12 again. Rejoice and be glad because great is the reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when you believe in God and follow his commands, you understand that your reward is greater than anything here on this earth. One reason why people fall into a trap of having a joyless spirit is because they think that they are the only one going through whatever it is they are experiencing. And the whole woe is me attitude has overcome them. I have nothing to be joyful about because my life is in ruin. But we have to remember all as well that people before us went through these things. There's nothing new under the sun. These same adversities that you're going through, other people have gone through this. So you're not the only one. So we have to stop thinking that we are the only one and no one else understands. The trials stay the same, but the days keep turning. There's nothing new under the sun. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that you and that your joy may be full. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? I'm going to read an explanation from the scripture. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to read an explanation of the scripture from the NIV version of the Life Application Study Bible because I think it sums up joy beautifully. And it, it reads this in quote, when things are going well, we feel elated. When hardships come, we sink into depression. But true joy transcends the rolling waves of circumstance. Joy comes from a consistent relationship with Jesus Christ. When our lives are intertwined with his, he will help us walk through adversity without sinking into de debilitating lows and managing prosperity without moving into deceptive highs. You like that balance? We can only have that balance with God. The joy of living with Jesus Christ daily will keep us level-headed no matter how high or how low our circumstances. Just like with love, joy comes from intentionally spending intimate time with Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul reminded us to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. When we walk with God, you will always be able to find joy in all things, no matter the circumstance. And that's why you see people with the ability to be joyful even during the darkest times because they know they see the light they they are covered they know that they're going to make it through they know that this is a test of their faith they know that they are just drawing closer to god it's it's just different there's no other way to say it it's just different but it's a beautiful thing and what we need to do is start asking more questions when we see someone like that. And when we're around someone like that, we need to start asking questions and, and copying what they do. Because I don't know about you guys, but me personally, I don't like coming around, going around being negative all the time. I don't like feeling negative and worn down all the time. It takes a lot of work to be negative. It takes a lot of work to complain every day. It wears you down. 
We already know that we're going to wake up and face adversity. We already know that we're going to wake up and probably go to a job that we don't really want to be at. We already know that we're going to have to run and have interactions with people that we don't really align with. We already know that there are going to be people out there plotting against us. We already know that not everybody's going to be happy for us. We already know these things. We already know that the adver adversities that we've faced, every, other people have been through them. We're not the only ones going through this. So why on earth would we continue to have this negative attitude when you already know it's going to happen? Why not be joyful and look at it differently and say, you know what? I will persevere. I will prevail. I don't care what they throw at me. It may be difficult. It may take me down to one knee, but it's not going to flatline me. Why? Because I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to draw my shield because I know the more faithful I am. And if I just keep getting up and fighting and moving forward, I'm going to prevail. I'm going to win this. And that's the attitude we ha should have. We should have this inner warrior spirit. We should be a little upset that they chose me, <laughs> you know? But we should be happy that, hey, they did choose me at the same time. Think about that. I want to thank all you freshwater warriors and foundational men for listening and with each episode, you have the opportunity to break through the barriers that have hindered you in your life. And as you continue to listen to the process of how to build a foundational man, continue to use this as a resource and continue to use it as a way to apply some of these things that you learn from this podcast in your life. I know that we have a fear of change and maybe you've tried everything, but why not try to apply this process of being a foundational man? I promise you, your wife, your kids, your friends, your coworkers will be amazed and what, what's the worst that can happen? What, that you're in the same position afterwards? You know what I mean? So there's really no risk involved. The only thing that can happen if you fully commit to this is that you're going to be that man that you wanted to evolve into. You just didn't know where to start. You just didn't know where to begin. But with that being said, we are in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember to be the freshwater that heals in a salty environment because that's what foundational men do. Until we meet again, my friends. <laughs>